Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L. On Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. First of all, good news for people living in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that uh, murdering fugitive convict that was on the loose for two weeks has been caught. But for the rest of you or for any of you tired of me regularly hosting election deniers, insurrection deniers, climate change deniers, vax deniers, time travelers, fossil fuel lovers, alternative energy haters, Putin atrocity deniers, and Trump apologists, not to mention a flying saucer expert or two, your prayers or your atheistic wishes have been answered because returning to the microphone is my old friend, veteran radio, TV, and talk show host, who is now doing a terrific podcast, which we'll tell you about, the one and only Richard Bay. It is yes. great to see you, Richard. Uh, I am a sal- Salman <laughs> pronunciation <laughs> denier. I that, won't tell Mr. Rushdie. I, I, I have a, no, no, but that's the way you pronounce that it. Is, that is. It, that it is, is true. It is true. Right. And the way Salman pronounces it. Yeah, but that's his name. Well, I'm talking about the fish. S- spelled the same way. You, you, He's named after a fish. You 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 think lox is smoked salmon? Listen, the L's there for a reason. What's that L doing there? Uh, Look, at a time when Salman Rushdie has been attacked, I think it would be disrespectful um, to everything that he represents to just start dropping that L. Okay. Uh, borrowing from Lerner and Lowe. Why can't Katsimides teach Murano how to speak? <laughs> Norwegians learn Norwegian. The Greeks are taught their Greek. I repeat after me. The salmon the- in Connecticut is eaten with great etiquette. The salmon in Connecticut is eaten with great etiquette. By George, I don't think he's got it. <laughs> the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. Oh, my God. He's not lazy. You're a disaster. 
how are you? It's great to see you. Yeah, well, I'm good. I mean, it's good. It's great to be back in New York. Yeah, for people that don't know your uh, living history, you always grew up in New York, uh, spent a lot of years working in New York. Far Rockaway. Li- lived in uh, <laughs> Philadelphia for a time, yeah, worked in Philly. Yeah. These days, like a lot of New Yorkers, you're living in Florida. But unlike a lot of New Yorkers that make that transition from New York to Florida, never to never to come back, they burn their ships like uh, Hernando Cortez. You are back in New uh, York I come frequently. Back every every five six weeks, so, I'm back here. How does Florida I mean, life compare to New York life, it, as far as you're concerned? It's comfortable. It's banal. When I first got there, some guy said to me, "Don't let." Florida become God's waiting room. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I've tried not to do that. It's just, it's very comfortable there. But, I mean, even in conversation, I was was just telling you, you know, I had lunch with three or four different people this week, all of them interesting, all of them intelligent, all of them well-versed in politics and current events and and good people. I mean, in Florida, I meet people who, and this has happened quite a bit recently, who tell me that Michelle Obata, Obama is a transsexual? Uh, you know, and I, I've what? been hearing that more and more from callers. And I stuff. came. Back, I don't know where. The, I, I said, ca- "Where did the two kids come from?" I came back from New York, and I went to get my mail, and a woman was there, and we started talking, and she said, "Oh, you sound interesting. What did you do?" And I told her I did political talk radio, and she said, "Oh, I I love that blonde woman who outed Michelle Obama." She meant uh, Ann Coulter. So I think did it is it I don't know Michelle Obama gender denier. So she says to me, um, so I said to her, "What do you mean she outed Michelle Obama?" She goes, "Well, everybody knows she's a transsexual." Uh, And I said, "You're joking, right?" I mean, I I read her book, and it 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 covers her childhood where she had girlfriends. College, her best friend passed away while she was in college. She has two kids. I mean, it is so deep. How how could you believe that? It's amazing. It's absolutely but that's amazing. Florida. And you know the the corollary conspiracy theory to that. Now, have you heard that one? No. What's it's that, that uh, Joan Rivers was actually killed by the Obamas because right. she made a joke about. Or she exposed the fact that Michelle Obama was yeah, actually a man. The corollary theory is the one that... People they, do say that, though. Yeah, yeah, but joking. this is the corollary theory, is that Obama was gay and uh, did cocaine with a gay hustler in the back of a car. There's some guy that claims this happened. And actually, in a letter, this is true, he wrote to a girlfriend when he was in college. He said, sometimes uh, when I fantasize or I... I fantasize about uh, gay sex, sex with men. So, yeah, but again, uh, who cares? I mean, it, uh, it makes right. no difference to, to me. I mean, if we're going to look at uh, every ex-president's sex life, all of a sudden the people at the James Buchanan Presidential Lab- Library are going to be having a tough time. Um, you know, I do wonder, though, about the the weather with respect to Florida. Last week it was very oppressively hot in New York, and my it, wife it even said hotter to me— than, It was hotter here than it was in Florida. But it, it, summers in, the, in Florida have got to be really rough in terms uh, of the heat. Well, the thing is this— I have a gigantic swimming pool ah. right outside my door. So it and I run in the mornings and that's the thing about New York that um that makes me stop and be a little trepidatious about coming back here is that I am now an older man mm. and I have to be concerned about my health, my weight, my 
uh, my exercise, you know. And it's difficult. I mean, you do get a lot of exercise in New York coming up and down the steps. and uh, and But to wake up and be able to go for a swim for 45, 50 minutes in the morning and then feel great. And then we have a gym right there, right next to me. And that's great. I, I run, you know, when it's, when it's cool enough in the morning. So, and there's a, a hell of a lot of stress to living here, but I love coming here. I mean, I've saw, I saw three wonderful productions, actually two wonderful one and one. Eh, it's all right. Uh, last night, I, the New York Philharmonic was playing the complete Leonard Bernstein score to West Side Story with the film where they ripped out the music score. Uh, you, they still have the character speaking and the, and the sound effects and whatever, and they have uh, underneath. I mean, it doesn't sound like it would be that incredible, but it was. Really? I mean, when, when I watched this, there were so many things that I realized about the music. You know, when you see an opera, it's not the character, it's not the narrative, it's the grandeur of the music and the emotional um, content of the music. So this was the Spielberg West Side Story. And when I first saw it, there were some things in it that I thought were sort of sappy, like uh, Rita Marino singing somewhere and the, the, the two kids in the cloisters. But last night, there was no sappiness because the music that was so real. Um, and America, when the, when the New York Philharmonic played the real music to America and the guy on the trumpet went just went crazy on the trumpet – you felt like you were actually right. out on the street there with these people. When the police cars pulled up, the timpani go boom, 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 and you can feel it reverberating in your body. It, it's only playing one more night, and that's tomorrow. And I would suggest if 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 this sounds like salesmanship, I mean it's it's well worth seeing. That, that's uh, good to know. That's at the New York Philharmonic. Philharmonic. That's uh, that's something. I wonder why they use the Spielberg remake. Rather than the the original, I don't know. I can't give you an answer to that. But it but really, it works. But it, oh, it it works fantastically. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you about somebody that's no longer working. That is Luis Rubiales, who it was uh, Spain's top soccer official. Well, you know how I feel. Well, about well no, this. I don't. You're I, setting I, it up. See, I don't. Be, well, first of all, let me repeat the story for people that don't know it. But you you know what? Every time I think you're going to go one way, one way, one way. Sometimes you go the other way. You throw a curveball once in a while. That's what makes your podcast well, so I'm interesting. Not, I'm not a doctrinaire. No, I know. I, I know, I know. Hey, look, uh, uh, Ross Perot supporter, Ralph Nader supporter, Rick yeah. Lazio supporter. I think you're with a, a lot of the audience I even in terms voted of being for an iconoclast. <laughs> I, I, even Elizabeth Dole doesn't admit to voting for Bob Dole. All right, uh, Luis Rubiales was Spain's top soccer official. He had a, a great job, was being paid $734,000 a year. The head of the Spanish Soccer Federation, he resigned on Sunday weeks after kissing a member of Spain's women's oh. teams on the lips yeah, after yeah, yeah. the team won the World Cup last month, setting off literally an international scandal and drawing accusations of abusing his power, accusations of perpetuating sexism. Give me your view of the whole situation. Well, first of all, when you see something in print, it's one thing. When you actually look at it, you look at what happened. First of all, they won this title. Nobody right. expected them right. to win it. Huge. They were exuberant. They were celebrating. The queen was hugging the women. This particular player 
was on the, the uh, stage with Rubiales, clasped him close to her and lifted him off the ground right before this and then put him down. And it was an, this kiss had nothing to do with sex. It was an exultant moment of triumph. And he did kiss her for a microsecond. I mean, you wouldn't, it, 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 it couldn't give even a, a flea an erection. It was, there was nothing, there was nothing sexual. This was like, and, and do you want to know something? As I did the research, I looked back and I found two male players on Manchester United. One of them created an incredible goal that saved the game. The other male player went up to him, grabbed him in the same way and kissed him on the mouth, on the mouth. When Sevilla, which is another uh, uh, soccer team, when they won the Europa Cup, a, a male player walked up to the other player who had the cup and he grabbed him and kissed him on the lips. This thing had, and the soccer, uh, uh, the federation official, he apologized when this first happened. The, see, you just read, she says, oh, I didn't like it immediately afterwards. And that is true. But what they don't say when you read the print is that she was laughing when she said it. She said, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't like it. And she was laughing. Later on, she went on a radio show right after this happened, and they asked her about it. And she said, and this is before anybody could get to her. It was right at that moment. She said, listen, it was, an, it was a moment of, uh, of emotional exuberance. She said it was really nothing. And believe me, nothing will be made out of this. But, of course, the movement itself wants to make something out of this. Uh, the, the soccer teams, uh, 15 players on the soccer team, had gone on strike before this because they thought the coach was too authoritarian. They thought he was tough in the way he was training them. He wouldn't take their advice on how to play the game on the field. And probably this guy, you know what coaches are like. Oh, yeah. Right. You don't go up to the coach and say, hey, I don't think this play is right. right. Exactly. You know, but they didn't like this guy. And 15 of them went on strike. Some of them came back and they wanted to get rid of this coach. But Ruby Alice stood up for the coach. Well, that coach was fired the first before Ruby Alice resigned and replaced with a woman. So you think the kind of the Me Too equivalent, whatever the whatever it's called in Spain, they sort of ginned up this player. Oh, the uh, two of the ministers called this a sexual assault. What I would tell everybody: go watch the videotape, and then go watch the pictures of her. She she touched him without. She didn't say, "Oh, excuse me, sir, can I touch you?" Do you know? In the olden days, before all of this. When I ate at a friend's house and his mother cooked us dinner and she showed us uh, uh, hospitality, and when I would leave, I would lean over and kiss her. I, there's an older couple. I used to stay On with the lips? Uh, no, on the on, cheek. On the lips is a different ball game than on the cheek. Yeah, but, but when you're exuberant, you, what, uh, agreed, what do agreed. people say? What, what do people say when they're really... Um, I'm so happy with you, I could give you a kiss. I could... No. Right. I, want, I could kiss you on the right. lips. Right. They don't say, right. I could kiss you on the cheek. <laughs> and yeah. even so, all right, if these are the new rules, well, watch that tape. There's nothing sexual in this. 
the Spanish prosecutors even opened a, a sexual assault case. Apparently. That's what I'm saying. That's, I agree that this is overkill, but a lot of the folks, uh, and I don't think he should have been fired, but a lot of the folks that, uh, that w- have watched this and gotten upset about this, they say women in Spain are subjected to that may be true. men kissing them all the time. That may unwanted. be true. And there is uh, sexism. In sports, there's you know the female soccer players should get as much money as the male soccer players if they're pulling in that audience. I mean, there is sexism in the country, but like everything, the French Revolution was great. It overthrew the king. It it tried to distribute more of the economy to the to the peasants. But how did it end up with that's people's right. heads in the guillotine? <laughs> yeah, right? That's how, right? And that's what this is like. The, the, the Me Too movement has great purpose to it. Uh, but now they're just looking for heads, whether it's Al Franken, some of these people. I mean, of course, Weinstein, there's no problem. Matt Lauer, uh, Charlie Rose. Some of these things, though, just go. Just looking for a head to put oh, in the guillotine. No question about it. I, I mean, I spent. I don't want to go down this path because it's a complicated case. But I spent a lot of time yesterday talking about this Danny Masterson case. I think he might have even gotten a raw deal in, well, in that case. Thirty years to life. I, I Twenty do. years for, after the incident. Well, uh, after someone who had been insisting that this incident was consensual for sixteen years, and they were well. all three of them members of a cult, right? And uh, he was all, all three of them got to make victim impact statements, even though only. Two of them, he was found convicted of, of right, raping. But right. so I agree with you; it's gone a little too far. And now people are, want a boycott of uh, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher because this is a guy. This was their friend that they stood I, up I for. I know it's it's they crazy. They didn't say, it's "Oh, crazy. he's innocent. Yeah. Let him off, please, it, judge." It, it is great. And what's even crazier is uh, I understand prosecutors in New York they're looking for that uh, sailor after World War II that kissed somebody in the middle of Times Square. They're going to try and charge well, him was, now. That too. That was not a sexual kiss. No, of course not. That of was a not. kiss of exuberance. And uh, you know, you, you're 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 sharing with somebody the elation of a great victory, which is just what this was for the. Uh, Do the you soccer see? Team. You know, one of the things that I, I when I talk to men and women alike, young and old, is they all seem to agree that um, maybe things have gone a little too far. Duh. And, and, and I'm wondering, do you see things kind of? rubber banding back no, the other way. No. No, it's going the other way. I'm really? the contrarian on this. I'm the I'm the uh, what do you call it? The the masculine pig. I'm the anti Barbie, you know. <laughs> but I actually liked Barbie. We'll ask you about that in uh, in a second. It's gonna be interesting to see where this goes because I agree look, I'm no great fan of Andrew Cuomo for his conduct as governor, but I think he got a Totally raw. And deal what about Al Franken? In term- oh wow, that's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I don't think he you did agree anything. with me. Of course, of course. I mean, <laughs> and you know shame what on did Kirst- him in? Kirsten Gillibrand and Kamala Harris, yeah, exactly, and now, Susan Collins. Uh, now it's uh, it, it's really uh, egregious. All right, uh, we're going to continue with Richard Bay. If you if you want to hear more of Richard's commentary, not only on this issue but just about every issue in the world, yes, call up and call a- me a sexist. Well, but pig. check out his podcast. It's on YouTube. It's r- wherever podcasts are available. Richard. 
Richard Bay Talk, B-E-Y. Hit the subscribe button. I always get excited when I get the notification that there's a new episode ready. You will, too, because it's really interesting. They cover a lot of news in a short amount of time in a very entertaining way. There's also some great old television clips and a couple of old radio clips. We're going to talk about that a little bit as well. If you want to call in and comment on anything we're talking about, you can do so. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. My guest is Richard Bay. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. That's right. For a while, New York area radio listeners knew that uh, this song was the beginning of a nightly exposition of world affairs and sometimes uh, audio crossfire on meth. Uh, I I used to call it... Curtis and Kuby for adults. Like that. That's not bad. <laughs> Richard Bay is my guest. He was the co-host of uh, The Buzz with Malsberg and Bay on uh, WABC back in the day. Obviously, the Malsberg portion of that was uh, was Steve Malsberg. I-, I know you probably get this question re- regularly. You keep in touch with Steve at all anymore? I uh, haven't heard from him in ages, although I did look him up uh, the other day, and he's he's working on some kind of a network that comes out of London. And, you know, he was working for RT. Right. right working right, for right. the Ruskies. Right. This <laughs> is Mr. American patriotism went and uh, and uh, and and he was Putin's uh, propagandist for a while. Yeah, I invited him on this program a couple of times, but he didn't want to come on. But uh, neither here nor there. Hey, since the last time you were here, we're also now airing in uh, Detroit, a WFDF in Detroit. You know anything about Detroit? 
Well, I, I know that uh, my show aired there, the Richard Bay Show, and that it was a big market for us. Any special Detroit insight you can uh, enlighten us with? Detroit? Nah, well, I mean, Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. And there, there you go. It's a great <laughs> Good golly, Miss Molly. Um, I want to ask you about somebody that you had a brief interaction with, I guess about uh, 10 years ago, a little more, and that is the senator from Utah, Willard Mitt Romney, announcing he is not running for re-election. This is what he said yesterday. I've spent my last 25 years in public service of one kind or another. At the end of another term... I'd be in my mid-80s. Frankly, it's time for a new generation of leaders. They're the ones that need to make the decisions that will shape the world they will be living in. I know you were in line at a greasy spoon no, yeah, one time. I was in a bodega Romney. on 55th Street uh, downstairs. And um, I look on this line, and I, I can't believe it. It's Mitt Romney standing in line. And Ann Romney is standing next to him, and nobody's saying anything. There's no Secret Service. He was, at that point, I think he was in the primaries, and he right. was running. Right, he became the nominee that year. So I, I came up, and uh, I said to him, uh, I said, uh, Mr. Romney, I said, uh, it, I said, you're Mitt Romney, aren't you? And he goes, yeah, people tell me that. <laughs> I, I don't think he wanted to be recognized. And I said, but you are Mitt Romney. I said, wait till I tell people about this on the radio. So as soon as they heard that I was a radio talk show host, I think they assumed that I was a conservative radio talk show host. And Anne, uh, Anne said, oh, thank you for the good work. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't think he'd be saying that to you these days. He's kind of a villain in talk radio circles. These and then, days. right, right. But, you know, back then, even Rush came around right. to him. So I said, well, President Obama was just here for the lighting of the Christmas tree. I said, and the traffic snarled up the whole city. People were complaining <clears throat> about uh, <clears throat> about his visit and what it did to the streets. And Mitt, Mitt Romney said, well, I said, uh, well, maybe, uh, maybe then we'll have a chance in New York. And I said, even with that, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you oh, wait a second. Right. So this is the kicker. I forgot. I, how could I go on without saying this? So they left. And I turned around and I went to the people, behind, the, the guys behind the counter, and I said, that was Mitt Romney. Okay, eh? pasa, you know, whatever. Then I turned around to the tables and I said, Mitt Romney was just here. That was Mitt Romney. Not one person in the place. That's knew who incredible. He was. This is wild. the year he ran for president and became right. the Republican nominee. That is wild and very telling about maybe why he <laughs> didn't necessarily win. What did you make of that uh, point that he made that it's time for a new generation of his of leaders? He's in his mid to late seventies now, younger than both Biden and Trump. Right. There's speculation that he may hook up with this no labels group and be part of a third party I ticket. I don't. Uh, so do that. I. I don't. I don't see that. <clears throat> I but, think he's just tired of politics and wants to enjoy his grandkids and his wife, probably. I also think, just like when he didn't run for re-election as governor of Massachusetts, that yeah. he knew that he couldn't get re-elected. I, I think that's a well, big part of it. you know, he would probably be the best candidate no labels could have, I think. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean... Unless what, you're a candidate, general, well, general, whoever. Well, But what did you make of what, uh, what he said there about him being too old? I mean, that's been one of the rubs against both... Biden and Trump and a lot of our listeners. And Grassley. 
And I think people are trying to make a point. I think one of the reasons Nancy Pelosi is running again is to just make the point. I'm 83. I'm older than Biden, and I'm going to come back in and uh, stay in the race. So I think at this point, and I think Mitt Romney's making a point here, too, uh, you know, about this. Uh, of course, he just came. Well, right what's your there. opinion? Do you think um, 78 I think, and 82 do I think is too old, too old to run for president? I think Biden's too old. Trump is too dangerous. I think DeSantis is more dangerous. Um, I I mean, listen, as as um, Donald Rumsfeld said, uh, you don't go into battle with the army you want. You go into battle with the army yeah, you this have. This is true. But I'll tell you this. I wouldn't be unhappy if Joe Biden decided, you know, to step down and open the field, I'd, I'm certainly not a big fan uh, of having Kamala well, Harris. Every run, Democrat but, that I know, uh, yeah. friends, family, colleagues, person on the street, they basically all say the same yeah, thing. Yeah, we all say the same thing. But when push comes to shove, shove for all of us, it's going to be Biden over Trump. Oh, yeah, I'm sure or that's Biden true. Over, uh, or over DeSantis. Well, I mean, DeSantis, do you see his candidacy as still being viable? I mean, to me, if it looks like... If something happens to Trump, you know, even at 14%, he's he's the next guy. It's going to be interesting. 800-848-9222. Richard Bay is here. Rocco's in Saratoga. What's on your mind, Rocco? Hello. Enjoy Richard's uh, podcast quite a bit. Oh, Richard, thank you. Thank you. Great work. Keep it up. Enjoyable. Uh, so let me uh, ask you, it's, if I initiate a kiss, it's a no-no. But if a woman initiates and kisses me, that's acceptable? Um, yeah. That's I, part of the hypocrisy of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I, that's happened to me. I, I'm not saying I'm a great-looking guy, but I've been kissed by 80-year-old women more sure. than I can to speak of. Well, you know, and we I've know. Never it, said, uh-oh, uh-oh, stop, stop! That you're sexually harassing me. Hey, listen, in I Australia, they have some kind of minister about sexual equality, and of she, course they do. She cautioned. She said that um, men should not kiss grandparents. Should not kiss. The, kiss oh. Their, no gra- way. their granddaughters. Oh my goodness! That, 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 the, the that world, was the world's gone. That crazy. was teaching young girls the wrong lesson. Yeah, the world has absolutely gone crazy. <clears throat> a lot of listeners in the New York area uh, remember a lot of your role on September 11th. Not only calling into the morning show on WABC and the mid morning show as things were happening because you had such a distinct view of what was going on, but the commentary you read from a, a newspaper columnist, which your reading of. It sort of became viral in an era before anything was viral. And if people watch the most recent edition of the Richard Bay podcast, they can hear that reading, which is still very stirring and very emotional uh, years later. One of the things that doesn't often get talked about is a lot of the incredible mysteries involving September 11th. Yeah, nobody talks about it. Never. Never. Right? Um, One includes the very first person to die on September 11th. Daniel Lewin. Who was that? He was an Israeli-American billionaire. He was a guy who grew up in America. His family made Eliyahu to Israel. And uh, he joined, he was maybe drafted, but he was in the IDF. And he was an anti-terrorist commando in the Israeli Defense Force. Afterwards, he went to MIT and he started a business, and he became a billionaire. Married guy, two kids, terrible. He was the guy on the plane, the, uh, on on a flight eleven, who.
who was in seat 9B. And the stewardess called up the tower and said, the passenger in 10B just slit the throat of the passenger in 9B. And that happened just a few minutes after 9. He was the first person murdered. One can only assume that considering that he was an anti-terrorist commando trained as Mm -hmm. such, that he stood up and tried to do something, not knowing that sitting right behind him was a terrorist with a box cutter. So he's the first guy, and yet nobody, we know Todd Beamer, and I don't mean to take anything from Todd Beamer, but nobody, nobody remembers Daniel Lewin. I don't know that there's anything named for him or anything, I never hear him. They have a few plaques somewhere. I mean, I don't know. I, I have a suspicion, and please, it's not part of a conspiracy. I think that Israel does not want in any way to be connected to 9-11, in, even in this way, even in the fact that the first hero of 9-11 was, Israeli. was an Israeli-American, yeah. That's not the only mystery that never gets talked about on September 11th, sure, though. Sure. Uh, you know, the, uh, Muhammad Atta and a second hijacker actually drove to Portland the day before Flight 11 was leaving Boston. Now, I mean, what? Isn't that crazy? And that second hijacker, he was the one that killed Daniel Lewin. Mm-hmm. He was the one that was in the seat behind him. They took a, they rented a car. They drove to Portland. They went to a Domino's Pizza. They went to a Walmart. And the next morning, they went to this small, you know, local airport to take a flight back to Boston to get on Flight 11. And when they did, they came up to the security. You know what I don't remember? I didn't even remember that we used to go through metal detectors in those days. But the metal detectors in those days were calibrated uh, to something that would have to be the size of a gun. So Muhammad Atta went through this and... He went to the guy at the gate and he said, I want to check through, a check through to Flight 11. And the guy says, no, no, you're going to have to go through security again in Boston. And the, the, uh, the security guy at the airport said, he looked at me, he clenched his jaw, and it looked like he was going to start screaming and yelling at me eh? because he said, no, check through, check through, check through. And he got on the plane. But does that make any sense? They could have missed that, fl- that flight. 11 in Boston. There was only an hour between the time that they landed and the, you know, and the flight and flight 11 <sighs> taking off. And, and I'm sure they didn't wake up in the middle of the night and Muhammad Atta said, I feel like a Domino's. Let's drive to Portland. <laughs> what the hell was that about? I, I, and I, I, we've never gotten any sort of an answer on that, right? No, no. Uh, there's, that... there's some theories. He wanted to test to see if he was being, uh, uh, followed by the CIA or the FBI and check behind him. And I, 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 who knows? One of the things that I've talked about uh, quite a bit uh, to the, uh, I'm sure, the boredom of some in the audience is the Saudi role in September 11th. And still the fact that doesn't matter who's president, Democrat or Republican, they can't fall over themselves fast enough to do whatever the Saudis want. Crazy. Um what do we know about the the Saudis that were mysteriously whisked out of the country? One hundred and forty Saudis, including members of the Bin Laden family. The FBI wanted to interrogate a good deal, a good number of them, and you got to remember this was the probably the first time since the Wright brothers that there wasn't a plane in the sky anywhere. 
over America. Al Gore was in Austria. He couldn't even get back to the United States. He wanted to because all flights were grounded, remember? And yet the Saudis were able, 140 of them, were able to take off and return to Saudi Arabia. And nobody... Including bin Laden's. Including bin Laden's family. And we don't even know who okayed this flight. You know, there's never been, somebody has never sat down and said, okay, right, why was, was Joe? What was the assessment on this? You know, who, who, because planes were grounded. Who allowed these planes to take off? I mean, the FBI must have been really ticked off that this happened. You think? I, would, I never heard as they the should FBI be. complain about this. Right. It, it was, it was insane. And then, of course, there is the, um, the Fox News thing. Do you want to? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tell me. Okay. So. This happened because, well, you know, you know who the first people arrested on 9-11 for connection with the... Uh, you know, I don't think I do, no. Five members of the Israeli Mossad. Really? Who were photographed on the, in Hoboken uh, on top of a van taking pictures of the burning towers. A woman looked out her window, called the police and said, there are five Middle Eastern men out here. And one of them is flicking a lighter like, it, like he's lighting it on himself. And she had got the license plate, and she gave it to the police. And the police officer who stopped them, they were on Route 3, ready to go into the Lincoln Tunnel, and a police officer stopped them. And the, the driver of the van said, uh, uh, you have the wrong people. We are not your problem. The Palestinians are not your problem. We are not the problem. They were arrested. They were held by the FBI for two and a half months. The Jewish Forward newspaper identified them as Mossad agents. By the way, the, the editor of that uh, newspaper is coming on tomorrow, so should, people should oh. uh, check that out. Okay. And they supposedly they worked for a moving company in New Jersey called United Movers. So the FBI went there, spoke to what the Sucker was the guy's name. They went there to interview him and set up an interview uh, for a few days later, this moving company. And when they returned, the guy was gone. He fled back to Israel. Now, Britt Hume opened this uh, piece on Fox News. He said, Carl Cameron has put together a four-part series about an extensive Israeli spying operation in the United States. Now, this mostly had to do with the art students, the Israeli art mm -hmm. students who were trying to get into different areas. And he said, federal investigators say there is absolutely no connection between, you know, the Israeli spies that were here and 9-11. But they said they do suspect that they might have had more information about the attack, uh, the attack than they let U.S. officials know about. And here is Carl Ka I have it on my podcast mm -hmm. if anybody wants to see it. And Carl Cameron begins the report. So it was a four-part report. The next three parts just disappeared, never aired. After the first part, they spiked the story and the other they three didn't air. They spiked the story and the other three didn't air. Why? And nobody talks. I'm the guy that goes, nobody talks. I had Jennifer Flowers I on know, with Bill I know, Clinton. Right? I'm the guy that said this WMD evidence, I'm telling you here, it's either fabricated or exaggerated or, 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 or just made up or taken out of context. There was no IAEA report. George Bush said, what more proof do you need? I'm the guy that looks at why do these stories get spiked? 
Hunter Biden's laptop is perhaps the conservative uh, mm-hmm. mirror image of that. Uh, that Why? is fascinating. Uh, that is fascinating. You know, one thing it just kind of reminds me in talking about uh, the role of Muslims in America in 2001. A lot of people forget this, but George W. Bush won the Muslim vote in 2000. Certainly yeah. not the case in 2004. It was one of the rare presidential elections where both the Muslim community um, and then in 2004, obviously Kerry won the Muslim vote big time. And then this you've had this kind of interesting relationship where Muslim voters and Jewish voters are voting for the same presidential candidates, mostly Democrats. What's happened lately is there a lot of Muslim activists are furious over the transgender curriculum yeah, right, in schools. Right, right. In Maryland, where we're on in uh, WCBM Maryland. in Baltimore. There you go. Um, the rain in Maryland <laughs> forms, falls mainly on the plain. But uh, you're seeing <laughs> activists not only there, but in all sorts of areas of the country, really working hand-in-glove with social conservatives yeah, no, on school board elections and everywhere. You're not could, incorrect. Could the Muslims be the secret Republican weapon, at least in local elections going forward? Well, in local elections, maybe. But I want to remind you of one more thing, too. Because I was on WABC, of course, on 9-11, you know. But I was on all that summer. And people forget. You know what the two big stories were that summer? Before that. Uh, Gary yeah, right. Condit. Gary Condit. Right. right. With Chandra Levy. Who's Gondra? What happened to Gary Condit? Right. And, of course, in the fall, China. because right, the airplane. The airplane. And people were calling in saying, I'm boycotting Chinese restaurants. I'm boycotting, uh, um, what was it, Radio Shack because everything there is made in China. I said, don't you understand? If you, if you don't buy bok choy, it's not. It's not going right. to hurt, right. you know, the, the People's Republic of China. If you go to that Radio Shack, there's a guy who makes his living off of selling that stuff. And if he doesn't get to sell it, then he's going to be unemployed. And everybody was talking about China, China, China and Gary Condit. Before and then this comes out of left field. I'm glad we smartened up and started boycotting French fries and things like (laughs) that long before the days of uh, boycotting Bud Light. Hey, you mentioned um, the Barbie movie. I assume you saw both ends of the Barbenheimer extravaganza, both Barbie and and Oppenheimer. When you were on the radio, one of the things that I really enjoyed that you do with your your dad on the weekend show was Dick and Dad go to the movies. And um, obviously he's not around to be that portion of the film reviewing (laughs) anymore. What did you think of both films, both Oppenheimer and Barbie? I thought Oppenheimer was masterful. I am am really surprised, happily, that it's as popular and did as well as it did because it's not an easy movie to watch. It, It covers, what, four different or five different, four different decades. And it's in black and white sometimes and then it's in color. It's also pretty long. And it's long, and there are so many no characters in right, it. Right, right. And I'm a big fan of um, of uh, Killian Murphy. I mean, I, I, Peaky Blinders is like... I haven't seen it, but I'm oh, told it's great. Oh uh, Robert God. Downey Jr. is terrific in that picture, And Robert too. Downey Jr. They were all terrific. And uh, Florence Pugh, when you see her naked, ah, I'm like, oh, here I am, sexist. Excuse me. <laughs> the male gaze, I'm not supposed to look. You know, that's another thing. But yeah, so, I, I no, I thought that movie was you know, was really a, a masterpiece. And then Barbie, you said you liked. 
I haven't seen Barbie yet. I liked three quarters of Barbie. Oh, okay. I thought it was right. clever up until they got to Ken. They didn't know what. So, so the men, this is the Ken image. They're jumping around on hobby horses and they're wearing chaps and they look like uh, the, one of the village people. This is, and then they have this big dance number with, uh, you know, with Ryan Gosling and it looks like a, a gay chorus line, you know? And the, the Barbies are at war with the Kens and of course they win because the Kens are so stupid. It, it just did that part of it didn't make any sense. Uh, so was it entertaining enough to merit being worth seeing though, do you think? Or no, is it not? Yeah, yeah. I'd say three Listen, uh it was. And I think the very ending you're expecting something to happen and you're going, "Oh, no spoilers, no spoilers." I'm not going to tell it. But something completely different happened. Okay, well, that's that's And something. I just burst out laughing. I love that. All right, good. All right, by the way, are you caught up on uh, Only Murders in the Building I, this no, season? I don't have Hulu. Oh, so. okay. I'll give you my password. But I did see the first, what was it, two. Right. And they were great. I think this season's terrific as well. I, I just watched And the, I heard Merrill's in it. She, yeah, and she's true. That's your classmate yeah, from yeah, Yale, yeah, right? Yeah. All right, uh, Richard Bay is here. If you want to comment, you can. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano here with Richard Bay. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. the other side of midnight this is obviously the beatles and uh, if you used to listen to richard bay this would be the song that would come on right before he would warn you about letting the media matrix melt with your mind hopefully you took that warning to heart this was at the end of every uh, show i remember at the very end i remember and There's then i reason would go, we played it yeah you won't have dick bay to kick around anymore <laughs> <laughs> real real quick though richard you yeah. know you, there was so much great content that you created on the radio not only on wabc but even yeah, what on wwrl uh serious left a uh, number of other uh, entities including my favorite was a lot of these great song parodies which were so catchy I find your version of some of these song parodies better than the <laughs> Iraq sh- the the actual songs. I mean, Yankee Talibani. I'll listen to that over Yankee Doodle Dandy uh, <laughs> every day. I mean, I'm a Yankee Talibani. <laughs> William Clinton, goodbye. I'll take that over over uh, Tootsie, goodbye. William Andy Clinton, <laughs> goodbye. William Clinton, don't cry. But yeah. why aren't these uh, these parodies at the very least? But a lot of the other stuff that you've done. Why isn't it available online anywhere? Well, some of it is. You know, I did the WMD song, you know, to Trouble from uh, Music well, Man. Brilliant, brilliant. And I did a music video to that. And didn't I just... That's on... Where is that? That's on the I YouTube? Did, it, it's, no, it's on one of my... Yeah, it's on one of my podcasts. Gotcha, gotcha. But, it's, I mean, you used to have richardbay.org, right? Where there would be yeah, a lot of great sounds and stuff. it wasn't me. That stuff. was a kid from Texas who um, um, was a big fan of the Richard Bay show. And, uh, and uh, he's now a really... 
far-right Trump supporter. <laughs> oh, so he's not looking to— uh, Yeah, but he's a, he's a good kid. Oh, and he actually ran for to be the mayor of Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. Oh, well, I, I, uh, so he was in Oklahoma or Texas? He's in Oklahoma. Okay, interesting. 800-848-9222. Michael is in Manhattan. Hello, Michael. Hey, what a terrific show. It's always enjoyable when uh, uh, Richard is on. Uh, Richard, please, in private, give Frank a lesson for maybe two hours in the use <laughs> of the English language. I don't mean with his Connecticut stuff, which is annoying. It's only mispronunciation is only more annoying than his self-serving Bumper music, but give him a lesson in private. I, I will. I, I'm not sure I can how afford to use more interesting English words. The other thing is, I went to college with a guy by the name of Arnie Bay. His uh, family, I think, was in oil. This goes back into the <laughs> Are you related to the uh, Arnie Bay? No, no the Bay. I'm uh, not to... Thank you, Michael, for the constructive no, criticism. But... I'm going to save up to hire Richard but you know for what? some when I, elocution when, lessons. When, when I, I come back to New York, and it's funny because at Yale, I actually had speech lessons. And, um, you know, uh, uh, there was a guy in my class who had a southern accent, and the teacher was like, what do you have in your right hand? A pin. What do you have in your left hand? A pin. One of them was a pen. And, oh, that's funny. And with me, it still creeps back in when I'm in New York. I say uh, coffee, car, um, uh, chocolate. Yesterday. That's a big one. Every, I find my – I still say it. I say it even when I was on the radio. Yesterday. I like I, yesterday. I, I like did that, that yesterday. Um, what else have you seen while you've been in New York in terms of oh, uh, plays saw, that people should either right. must see or must miss? I know right. people are going to get angry if we don't get to that. Okay. Well, one of them was The Shark is Broken. Uh, the Shark is Broken is about the making of the movie Jaws. And the shark kept breaking down. So the three actors were off of Martha's Vineyard on this little tiny boat. And it's Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfus, Roy Scheider. And these three actors who play them are just incredible. It sounds great. Is that off-Broadway? It's on Broadway. Oh, it's on Broadway. And wow. the guy that plays Robert Shaw is the son, the actual son of Robert Shaw. Oh, I have to and see this And he's now. incredible. And he does that monologue about the Indianapolis. <laughs> but the that. thing is, with all these guys, each of them, and the guy that does Roy Scheider, I, in fact, I, I meant to look it up and I didn't, his voice, somebody once described Roy Scheider as a hanger with a sunburn. And he was so skinny, Roy Scheider, and always sunburned. And on this, he's, he, he always wants to get time off to get a sunburn. Robert Shaw is like drunk, which was pretty much true. And Richard Dreyfus is so in, insecure. And Robert Shaw, which is a true story, rode his butt all that said, told him he was mannered. He was using tricks. Why don't you try acting for a change? And, and he admired Robert Shaw. The other play that I saw, it's really worth seeing. It's, I thought, it, I said, three guys on a boat? How it's, could that, that be? sounds terrific. I'm, they, I'm... It's really good. And the play is good. What was the other one that you said? The Cottage. Now, that there hasn't been this much mugging uh, since we cleaned up Times Square. <laughs> it's a comedy, and everybody's making these faces, and it is funny. It is hilarious. It is um, like, uh, what, Noel Coward 
meets Monty Python meets Saturday Night Live. But it's two hours and ten minutes long. Could you watch a a, a, a Saturday Night Live sketch for two hours? No, I no mean, doubt. It is just hilarious. The actors are masterful. You'll you'll laugh your head off, but after a while you'll go, give me a break. I, Richard, it is always a treat to see you whenever you're in town. I'll see you the next time you're in town. This has uh, been fun. I hope so. This has been fun. Um, and well, you know, since you're here in a radio studio, why don't you end this hour the way you ended all those shows, right? You won't have Dick Bay to kick around anymore. <laughs> you will have Frank Morano. I'll be here for another three hours. Hopefully you will, too. Uh, keep asking questions. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.